Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Sabbath. I was told before I came here to Melbourne that Australia is a very secular country, and then I found out that the government gives you two extra days off work to remember Easter, and I kind of wondered, how secular is this place? And you walk through the grocery stores and you see hot cross buns everywhere, and I kind of wonder, hmm, yes, non-Christian nation, maybe, I don't know. And uh, regardless, it's, it's nice to be able to have a time where we can come together and remember, uh, remember the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And uh, the, the title for the sermon today is called Easter and Empathy. And what I wanted to do was to start the, the message off today is for everyone to watch just a short clip on empathy. So what is empathy, and why is it very different empathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's, a, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions, where empathy is relevant, and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective-taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, I'm down I know what it's like down here, and you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Um, empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time. Because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So, I had a miscarriage. At least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. So this video is a kind of a short clip on how to connect with people. And there were four elements of empathy that the uh, presenter outlined, and I want to revisit those. The first one is perspective-taking. You've heard of the term walk a mile through someone else's shoes, and uh, it's just the ability to look through someone else's life experience and be able to say, yep, I can see why uh, you think or why you're reacting that way. 
the second aspect of empathy is having a non-judgmental spirit. I think it's very easy to look at a difficulty that someone else is going through and just kind of say, well, you need to tough it, you need to tough it out. Like just cop it in the chin and keep moving forward. And there's almost, uh, it's very easy to look at somebody's pain and suffering and kind of think, uh, you know, you could be handling that a, a bit better. Um, and so empathy is kind of saying, no, I very much know why you're feeling that way and I, I know why you yeah, I know why you're responding the way that you're responding. Um, it's the ability to recognize emotion and to communicate that emotion in a way that's uh, meaningful to an individual. And so the presenter also gave a definition uh, for empathy as well. If we can go to the next slide. And it's, uh, she kind of had that uh, animation where the fox falls into the hole and it's that dark place. And she identifies it as a sacred place where you connect with people and you communicate value to that individual. And so my question for this afternoon is this, does Jesus communicate empathy to us and how does he do it? And uh, this weekend is commemorating the Easter, Easter weekend, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I wanted to go over a few Bible texts with you that communicate how Jesus connects with us. So if you have your Bibles, if you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Verses 10 and 11. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Actually, before we go to Philippians, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4, and then we'll go to Philippians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. Now, if you're there, if you can say amen, then I'll know I'll have... Permission to read? All right. So different. I was at a church this morning, and uh, everyone's got their Bibles, and so I took my Bible and come to this group. It's such a different, uh, different feel. Everyone's got their iPhones and iPads and whatnot. But I was uh, waiting to hear some pages flipping, and I was like, oh, never mind. Different, different, uh, different group. Okay. So First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and we're reading the first four verses. Uh, here's what Paul says: Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach. Uh, to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And so Paul talks about how there is this message, there's a there's this vehicle, if you will, that God uses to communicate salvation, uh, how God uses to or what God uses to communicate connectedness. Um, it's the vehicle that God uses to bring about peace in our lives. That vehicle is called the gospel. And if you look at the breakdown of the gospel in the subsequent verses, notice what Paul says. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And so Paul here says, in the death and resurrection of Jesus, in understanding and believing this message, there is this understanding that God desires to communicate peace, connectedness, salvation, acceptance with us. And so Paul says, if you want that, if you want to experience something completely different in your life, understand the gospel. And so there are different texts which you guys are familiar with, uh, whether it's Romans chapter 6 where uh, Paul gives the illustration of baptism. When we 
step into baptism, we are making a a decision. Uh, It's an expression, a public declaration of faith to Jesus that we want to connect with Jesus. We are willing to enter into his death. And when we come out of that water, uh, it's experiencing the new life in Christ. And it's an expression of faith where we connect with Jesus. Now, my question is this. Why is it and how is it that when we step into the experience of the death and resurrection of Jesus, that we find connectedness with him? For me, an event that takes place 2,000 years ago in history seems so distant. And I kind of wonder, how does, how does God communicate empathy? How does God communicate connectedness by me dipping myself in a pool of water? And uh, there was always a little bit of disconnect for me. And uh, the more I studied, the more uh, I was deeply impressed that this is a very profound truth. And about maybe three years ago, um, I was kind of faced in this circumstance where I realized I don't understand Jesus as much as I think I do. And my heart really desires to be connected with him, and yet I feel so distant. And I have these, I understand, and I've heard these teachings of death, resurrection, baptism, grace, and these words are kind of thrown out to me from the pulpit. And at the same time, I kind of wondered, man, is there, is there any more meaning to this? And um, this is something that uh, forced me to, to look into the scripture, and this is something that I found and I wanted to share it with you today. So if you can turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Verses 10 and 11, the same author, Paul, goes into the meaning of uh, Jesus' death and resurrection. And he gives some commentary, um, he gives some commentary to this event. And so, Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, reads this way. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And so Paul talks about the death and resurrection and he brings about this idea of suffering. And he says, it is my heart's desire to experience suffering with Jesus. Because as Jesus died and was risen again, that part where he actually died was uh, it, it required a bit of suffering. And so Paul looks at that and he says, I wish I could identify with Jesus in that manner. Now, I don't know about you guys, but uh, does suffering kind of excite you? Do you kind of think, yeah, that's something that I really want to experience? And when I read this, it kind of challenges me because I'm not, it's not really in my personality to like want to experience pain. And yet, when I read this, I think, Paul, why do you think this? Why do you believe this? Uh, if you can turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, Paul brings up suffering again. Romans chapter 8, and if you can look at verse uh, 17. And in this passage, Paul writes, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And so, here... Paul writes about being connected with God, being a joint heir with Christ. And the the teaching in the Bible is that uh, Jesus died, rose again, went to heaven, and now sits at the right hand of the throne of God. And he is royalty, if you will. He's the king of the universe. And so Paul says, you too can be a, a king, a queen of the universe as well, in a sense. Like, you can be a joint heir with Jesus. And so when I listen to that promise, I think, 
this is incredible. I want to experience it too. And my question is, how do I experience this? And if you look at the second half of that verse, he says, if indeed you suffer with him. Now, when I read that, that's an incredible promise. And I think, become a joint heir with Christ? Yeah, I'll I'll do that. I'll put my hand up for that. Now, when it comes to, do you want to suffer with Jesus? I kind of tend to put my hand back down and maybe put it in my pocket and perhaps walk away from the conversation. And here, Paul communicates, if you suffer, you'll be a child of God. You are considered a joint heir. And my question is, why, why this connection? Now, there are a couple stories in the Bible where there is this uh, element of suffering and death. Then comes this idea of resurrection. And then God the Father comes and gives affirmation, you are my child. Now, I know all of you guys have some biblical background, and so I'm going to just narrate the stories for you. The first one is the baptism of Jesus. Jesus comes to the River Jordan, and John the Baptist is baptizing people at the River Jordan, and Jesus comes to John the Baptist and says, I need to be baptized of you, and John initially hesitates, but then later on he listens to uh, the request of Jesus, and as soon as he dips him down into the watery grave, that Dipping down into the water symbolizes suffering and death. And as he pulls him out, which uh, pulls him out out of the water, which represents the resurrection, what happens next is that the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. And then what happens after that? Do you remember? Yeah, the voice of God comes out in an audible manifestation. And God the Father says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so when I look at that story initially, I thought, it's kind of random. Why all those different events? And there's something about experiencing suffering, experiencing death, being resurrected, and God says, you are now connected with me. Here's a second story that I want to go into. It's the Mount of Transfiguration. So if you can turn to Luke and go to Luke chapter 9. So just a couple books before the book of Romans. Luke chapter 9. And you look at verse 20, uh, excuse me, verse 28. And in this story, Peter, James, and John, the followers of Jesus, are following Jesus up this mountain. And they fall asleep. And on this mountain, Jesus is praying to God the Father. And if you look at verse 30, it says, And behold, two men talked with him, and were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. And so if you think about the story, Jesus' three disciples are sleeping, Jesus is praying to God, and all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear to him, and basically uh, the humanity of Jesus is taken away, and the divinity of Jesus shines forth. And... There are many times where I read through this story where I kind of wondered, I wonder why Moses and Elijah appears to Jesus. It seems kind of like a random event. And at the same time, Luke gives a little bit extra detail of this account than uh, the account given in Matthew. And Luke basically says, Moses and Elijah, they talk to Jesus about his suffering and his death. And so Moses and Elijah talk to Jesus and they say, Jesus, you have to go to Jerusalem. And when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to suffer, you're going to die, and 
this is a very important thing. Like we want to encourage you why you're gonna go do uh, why you're gonna go through that. And if you think about Moses and Elijah, uh, they kind of represent two different categories of people. On one hand, you've got Moses who died and was resurrected, and Moses kind of represents. Uh, those at the second coming of Christ that are going to be resurrected. Then you have Elijah, who never died and was translated to heaven immediately in the fiery chariot. Um, and so Elijah represents those people that are going to be alive at the second coming of Christ that will be translated. And so you have this, almost this uh, preview of what the second coming of Christ is going to look like. And Moses and Elijah come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, you have to suffer you're going to die, but if you go through this, people like us will make it. And so it was kind of a moment of encouragement where Jesus looks at Moses and Elijah and realizes this is something that's really important, and it gives him strength to move forward. And so here's what happens next. If you look at verse 35, it says, And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. When the, when the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. And so... Here's suffering, there's death, and then there's this picture of the resurrection, and at the same time, there's this idea where God the Father once again says, this is my beloved son. And so, here we have this idea of empathy, this idea where God is able to connect with us, uh, and we are able to connect with God, and God uses this idea of suffering, of death, of resurrection, and connectedness, and it's not something that's um, that would be, that would be considered something that's uh, would be a fun, enjoyable experience to go through, and yet there's a very profound truth in the midst of this uh, in the midst of this mystery. Now, I've spent uh, many a moment pondering why why suffering, why difficulty, what is it about this uh, where if I go through the same thing, God would say, you know what? Roy, I consider you to be I consider you to be my child. And there are very few times where I can relate with God. Uh, like for example, I don't know what it's like to not be bound by time. I don't know what it's like to know everything there is to know about the universe. Um, even when it comes to difficulty, I have no idea what it's like to know what it's like to be God. I mean, uh, there are times where I'll listen to the radio for maybe uh, 35 minutes a day, and in that 35 minutes, I I actually have a difficulty, uh, I have a difficult time listening to the radio longer than that because there's so much bad news. I think in one week there was this, uh, there was news about the disappearing airplane uh, that went to, uh, that went from Malaysia to China. Then a few days later there was this news about how there's a gentleman in Sydney who, uh, who's a politician who tried to gain a monopoly over the water supply in, in Sydney and apparently is like a multi-million dollar scheme. Uh, and then there's news about a ferry that sinks in, in the um, uh, <laughs> sinks in Korea and there are 200 people that are missing. And it's kind of like, what does God feel like when he is in heaven and he gets this news and he doesn't have to wait for news reporters to get to the site. Like He knows immediately. It's live streaming nonstop. And I kind of wonder, God... What's it like to be connected to you? What's it like? What do you go through? And so there's this barrier that God has with us. On one hand, there are things that God goes through. And then on the other hand, there are things that we go through. So we kind of wonder, God, 
do you see my suffering? I'm trying to follow you, and at the same time, I have, I have difficulty doing what you want me to do. Or um, there are life circumstances where uh, we're looking for consistent work. We're looking for different things in our lives, and the circumstances cause suffering and difficulty. And it's almost like, God, do you know what I'm going through? Do you know how to identify with me? And in the life, excuse me, in the death and suffering of Christ, God communicates, I know what it's like to identify with you. If you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And we're going to read the last verse of Hebrews chapter 2 in verse, um, or the last two verses, 17 and 18. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. And the author writes, Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. And so, the text says that Jesus is a faithful mediator. He is able to understand. He is able to connect. And my question is, well, how does Jesus connect with us? And the answer is given in the very next verse. Well, he also suffered. He also experienced difficulty. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus takes on the sins, the guilt, the suffering, the pain of everybody at one point in time. And Jesus says, I know what it's like to experience the effects of sin. You know, one could even look at this and say and ask the question, look, Jesus has never actually sinned. Can he really identify with me? Does he understand? And Jesus says, I know what it's like to experience the effects of sin. And it's also interesting because in Jesus taking on sin and going to the cross and dying for us, he communicates, see, the cross provides grace, it provides salvation, it provides, it provides forgiveness. So even if I have never sinned, when you sin, I'm giving you a way out. And it communicates, I get you, I know it's difficult, that's why I'm giving you the cross. And Jesus communicates connectedness through that. So, yeah, in this idea of suffering... Um, the empathy can go two ways. On one hand, Jesus communicates to us that he understands us. And on the flip side, in suffering, we also have a bridge where we get to understand God. And the question is, what does sin do? And if you think about the life of Christ, there are a couple times where Jesus interacts with death. There's a story of Lazarus where Lazarus is sick and he's about to die, and the communication comes to Jesus, Lazarus is dead. And while Jesus is going to see Lazarus, he says, Lazarus is not dead. Do you remember what he says Lazarus is doing? He's sleeping. Then there's a story of the 12-year-old girl who dies all of a sudden. She's Jairus' daughter, and Jesus turns to Jairus, and he says, um, your daughter is not dead. She is? She's sleeping. Now, in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
when Jesus is entering into the garden, he has Peter, James, and John with him. And while he's still alive, he turns to them and he says, I am dying. Now that's weird to me because there have been previous times in Jesus' ministry where people have been dead. And he says, they're not dead, they're sleeping. Then here is Jesus, completely alive. He hasn't even touched the cross yet. No Roman soldier has touched him. And he says, I am dying. And I kind of wonder, how can a man who is walking, living, breathing say that he's dying? And I realize there is something about sin that I cannot relate to at all. And so Jesus takes the full weight of sin He experiences suffering in his life, and while he is yet alive, he's experiencing death. And so when it comes to the cross, uh, we know the story of how the Roman uh, soldier comes and he's about to break the legs of uh, of the different thieves on the cross. Uh, The soldier breaks the, the legs of both thieves, and when they come to Jesus, they don't break his legs because he's already dead. And so there's something more than the physical element of suffering that actually caused the death of Jesus. And That's why when Paul looks at this idea of suffering, he says, you know what? There are so few instances where I can connect with God and know what he's going through. But when we suffer the consequences of sin, whether it's from our own mistakes or whether it be from the circumstances that are placed upon us, we can can turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I actually have a little idea of what you went through. I understand what sin actually does. You know, each and every one of us are placed in a circumstance where it challenges the way we're going to live our lives. To the person who decides, I want to follow Jesus, when you accept Christ, you are also following His will, His way. And the more you read Scripture, the more you uh, come to know what God would have us do in specific circumstances. And what happens is, as we live our lives, we are placed in circumstances where those beliefs are challenged. And then we then come to the point where we ask ourselves, Am I going to follow Jesus or am I not going to follow Jesus? And there are many times where following Jesus will require suffering. It will require pain, frustration, and it might even feel like death. And so when this idea of the death and resurrection of Jesus comes to us, basically God is saying, listen, I know following me requires an element of sacrifice. And I very much know what you're feeling and what you're going through because I experience suffering as well. And the amazing thing about the cross is, if you choose not to obey Jesus, if you choose not to follow Jesus, Jesus is saying, I have died on the cross. There is forgiveness for you. And there is the ability to learn from that mistake. And God says, I understand. Here's forgiveness. Now, of course, the ideal is to be in that situation and say, you know what, Jesus? I understand what I understand a little bit of what you went through. I'm experiencing suffering. I can't imagine what you went through. You know what? I know what sin does. I know what sin does. I know this is painful. Therefore, I submit, I surrender, and I die with you. And the promise of Jesus is, when we come to the point when we are willing to suffer and die and be connected with Jesus, there is a promise of the resurrection. It doesn't mean that we'll always get what we want, but it does mean that there's this tremendous connectedness to God And as a result, God looks at us and he basically acknowledges us as his children. And so as you reflect upon the death and resurrection of Jesus this weekend during the Easter holiday, um, 
It's my prayer that as you reflect in your own suffering, in your own pain, that you would find connectedness with Jesus. If it's something that you've already done in the past, that you would find and experience forgiveness, peace, the understanding that comes through Jesus, and that's promised through Jesus. And if you're stuck in the middle of a decision where you're kind of wondering, what should I do? Um, It's my prayer that you'd be able to connect and understand Jesus. And in the process of understanding him, that you would experience the resurrection that's promised. So may God bless you as you reflect upon these things.